0: Also for us, we as the printers get many more clues of what the artist is thinking when you are sitting with him and looking at things. Oh, what do you think of this or that? And, you know, exchanging back and forth emails is like more immediate and and more exciting because it's more personal.
1: Hello print friends, and welcome! I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. Each week I chat with artists who use print-based media to do something beyond the expected. This is a bilingual podcast, so if you subscribe to us, you'll be getting episodes in English with me, as well as in Spanish with Ronaldo Gilsombrano. Together we speak to printmakers around the globe about their practice and passions in the world of printmaking. Hello Print Friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, currently offering possibly the best thing to happen to relief printmaking, their Woodzilla presses. Beautifully made in the Netherlands, these uniquely engineered presses perfectly combine superior craftsmanship and performance at a price that makes them accessible, whether you're a seasoned printmaking pro or new to the craft. Available across five sizes, each Woodzilla press is precisely manufactured from heavy-duty steel and designed to apply uniform pressure without undue work or stress for the artist, while still guaranteeing a beautifully printed result at the end of every reveal. Check out these beauties through the link in the show notes. My guest this week is Shay Remba, the director of Mixografia. Mixografia is an incredible collaborative printmaking studio in LA, with roots in Mexico City. It was founded by Shay's mother and father over 50 years ago. We talk about growing up with this incredible childhood, collaborating with the late and very great Rufino Tamayo, and how his family developed and continues to develop a remarkable and highly technical three-dimensional printing technique. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to hear some pulp nonfiction with Shay Remba.
0: Hi, Shaye. How's it going? Fine. Busy as always.
1: Yeah, I bet. I bet you are very busy. So I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and even speak to Ronaldo earlier today because we're going to do this. You've already done this interview in Spanish and then we're going to do it in English with me and we'll do a double release, which is always really fun. So thank you for letting us steal two hours of your day today.
0: (laughs) It's a pleasure, really. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, before I dive into my questions, could you just introduce yourself a little bit and tell people who you are and where you are and what you do?
0: Well, uh, I am Shaye Remba. I am the director of the Mixographia Workshop here in uh, Los Angeles, in California, of course. Mm-hmm. And Well, I am the director. Uh, being the director encompasses many functions, uh, but probably what we will be talking the most is about uh, printmaking. So I direct the printmaking projects here at the workshop. So I uh, contact the artist and we develop the projects together. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, of course, with all my staff, you know, everybody uh, collaborates. So at the end of the day, what we are trying to achieve is to produce uh, a printed edition based on a concept brought by an artist Mm -hmm. which you know is is this is the printmaking world is basically this so that's what we do but uh, what is different from the more traditional uh, printing processes is that our prints are done Mm three-dimensionally by that I mean that uh, they have relief, they have textures. they have a very rich uh, surface yeah. that is not uh, flat.
1: Absolutely, or- yeah. I really want to um, make sure we have time to talk about the technique and kind of how it came to be. But for a little more background first about you, this is usually the part in my interviews where I ask my guests, you know, where did they grow up? And, you know, what was art like in their life? But I feel like for you, we need to go back even further, because you're the, the second generation printmaker, your your father started out in commercial printing, and made his way to fine art lithography. And that's part of the story. Do you mind kind of going back in time uh, a little bit more and uh, sort of starting uh, the beginning of...
0: Uh, uh, absolutely yeah. not.
1: <laughs> oh, good. <laughs>
0: So, well, yeah, our history goes back to Mexico, you know, Mexico City, where mm-hmm. both of my parents and myself were born. And yes, uh, my father uh, had a, originally was a commercial print shop that was established by my grandfather. <laughs> okay. Oh, really?
1: Okay. So you're third yeah. generation printmaker. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but, you know, the what they used to do then, you know, in the, let's call it the commercial realm, was totally different than art printmaking, you know. It's uh, the, let's say, all the collaboration with the artist with the artists is what makes very rich, you know, being a printmaker, you know, you have always you need to be developing new ideas and this has been the constant you know, since uh, the Mixografía workshop started back in downtown Mexico, Mexico City mm-hmm. and uh, yes, my father had this commercial print shop and just uh, you know things that happen in life, uh, he met an artist that Uh, wanted to do prints. Uh, Well, not, my parents actually met uh, Pablo Higgins, who was an Mm -hmm. American expatriate living in Mexico City. And they became friends, and my father had a commercial print shop. So Pablo had an important show at the museum, the Palace of Fine Arts, which is a very important building in Mexico. City and for the show, they wanted to print a catalog. So he asked my father if he would print it. And my father said, Of course, because that's what they do catalogs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. So Pablo liked the quality of the finished catalog. And since Pablo had been a founder of the Taller de Grafica Popular, which since the 30s, 40s, 50s, was a very important printmaking place, not just in Mexico, but many printers from the States, mm-hmm. uh, came to do prints there, you know. Uh, it was very influential for many years. But, you know, during uh, the end of the 50s, it sort of so they kind of lost uh, you know. I think the, the people that used to collaborate took like different directions, mm-hmm. so it kind of fizzled out. But Pablo, being a founder of Taller de Gráfica Popular, wanted to still make prints. Yeah. So that's why he proposed to my father Luis to uh, to hey, why don't you? Uh, try to adapt your machines to do lithographs, Uh not stone lithographs, but lithographs on aluminum plates. Mm -hmm. So my father said, yeah, why not? And after uh, a few trials, it became possible to do the lithos. And then Pablo invited other friends of his from that worked at Taller de Grafica Popular. And that's the the start of the print shop, you know, doing lithographs.
1: Yeah. And so, what, what year would have this been?
0: Around? Well, this was in the late 60s. Okay. Like uh, 1968, 1969. Yeah. And uh, so my father worked uh, for many years doing lithographs and as you know the artists uh, the roster of that period grew they wanted to invite uh, Rufino Tamayo yeah. which you know it was at that time the most important living artist from Mexico and yeah. when my parents uh, approached him to see if he would be interested on doing a project, he said, ah, I'm, I'm done too many lithographs.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I would like to do something that has some relief. Uh-huh. So then my father had to think how to solve that. And, that, and after several months, he figured out a way to incorporate, you know, textures in in the prints. You know, they, pro- they were not as deep and think as the prints we do now, but that mm. was the way the technique. Uh, Started And Tamayo was very happy Mm. because for him, if you look at his oil paintings, you know, if you see a photograph, basically you see the colors. But if you see the real object, you will see that his paint is very textured. He used to mix like sands and powders of different grids to incorporate them in the paint. So so the painting is not, you know, it's a painting, but it has let's say some to to it. So I think that was the reason that he wanted to, to try that printmaking. Yeah. And in his case, you know, he he you know, as the let's say the friendship and the collaboration progressed, he experimented a lot with different materials that probably he wouldn't have used in his uh, painting uh, practice. Mm, so, yes. so, so that's also part of what we always uh, preach, you know, uh, to to any artist with whom we collaborate. Let, let's try different things. Yeah. So, so. From that, uh, now we, we, uh, let's say we had open to, to try different things. And, and that's also comes in a natural way because the process is very flexible. Mm. So, so then it can. Let's say I don't know if absorb is the right word, uh-huh. what Maybe is like very
1: adapter, yeah,
0: adapt is very versatile. So the artist can keep, a, a, let's say, what makes their works unique, which is the style and use of materials, okay. can be well, let's say, represented in the technique. You know, if it's important for them, yeah, you know. Because uh, because of the possibility of being able to represent surfaces, then anything uh, can be, let's say, used to create the image. You yeah. know, that is on the surface of the paper.
1: Can you explain a little bit about the actual process and technique of creating these really uh, deeply sculptural? paper-print kind of hybrid uh, works um, that come out of the studio. And I know you said with with Tamayo, they weren't necessarily as deep because it was just starting out. But then, you know, over the last, um, you know, 40 years, it's it's developed. And so now the works that, that come out are, I would say, extremely sculptural and extremely deep. But how did that actual physical process look like? And how has it evolved?
0: Well... Uh, the premise that has been let's say the the guiding principle for Mm -hmm. what we do is to create something uh, mainly let's say three-dimensional and and spontaneous in in its own way so uh, technically we are really the Technicians, you know, that use this technique and makes the technique available to the artists. So the artists, whenever we do a collaboration, they need to think in terms of the possibilities that we can offer or that they want to use or take advantage of of them. Mm-hmm. so so the the concept or the way to envision the project is as something three dimensional and by three dimensional is uh, on the surface of the paper we are not making sculpture nobody in theory can go around one of our prints it's everything happens on the surface and we can do reliefs let's say up to two inches, you know, uh, thick or or raised above the plane, let's say of the paper. Mm -hmm. So that's the three-dimensionality we are talking about, and also about fine surface detail on the surface of the paper, which is what express the materials, you know, like a fabric or a su- surface covered with sand or whatever the artist wants to do or, or lines <laughs> for that matter mm-hmm. scratch on a surface so so that's what the the artist needs to think of you know for some artists this might be very natural if they if in their practice they adapt that they, they use textures but, you know, sometimes other artists, let's say like uh, John Valdesari, with whom we collaborated for many years, then they need to adapt their practice to see how they can take advantage of the technique. And, and then they produce something that has its own relief. In the case of John, we had to come up with a way in the first artworks we did to incorporate uh, photography in, mm-hmm. in mixografia because his artwork, he's not a photographer, but his artworks are photo based. Yeah. So we, for example, hadn't done that. <laughs> so he creates these objects of of handmade paper, which are uh, lamps, you know, uh, table lamps that he hand painted, and these these lamps are like an inch thick, so they ended up being these heavy pieces of paper. So that's the way he envisioned uh, working with us the first time, let's say the next project, he also incorporated photography, but then he started playing more with the relief. You know, really having different levels in this Prince called um, uh, the, uh, Stonehenge with two people. Mm-hmm. So, so, and you know, then he used other techniques, uh, you know, for each project, but always the same as for us, for the artists, there is a learning curve where you learn about the possibilities of what can you do new, what can you yeah. express. So, so for us, that's a great aspect of what we do because always is, okay, now... <laughs> What's going to happen? Yeah, how so do our, we
1: make it happen? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
0: what new things are we learning? You know, it's not uh, that, oh, we know everything. No, no. Every time <laughs> you learn something based on, on what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so is these uh, experiences that make you you solve something small, and the next time you do the same but bigger, and then much bigger, and then you are incorporating. It's really at the end of the day, experience new knowledge that is available for. Any artist with whom we are collaborating. Yeah. So, 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 so conceptually, this is, uh, I would say, the way the projects evolve. Let's say what we do mm-hmm. evolves. Also, nowadays, there are, uh, You know, in the 70s, 80s, there were no computers. Right. (laughs) Now, you know, we still do what we've always done. Everything is done by hand in a very traditional way. But we have new tools that can help us expand, you know, what we do, uh, you know, just because of the newer uh, technology.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so... What was it like for you growing up in this environment with, you know, the printmaking and the machines and Rafino Tamayo coming by? Like, did you kind of know that this was a really unusual childhood at the time or was it just something that was like the water that you were swimming in
0: well you know probably a lot of it um, i always like to build things Mm -hmm. and and uh, that's why i studied the mechanical engineering (laughs) okay so for me all these aspects of the machinery uh, have not are not like uh, foreign or or complicated to understand how certain things work. So, so let's say for the purpose of mixographia, this also was, I think, uh, what enabled us to expand, you know, on on what the the first uh, prints, you know, because... Okay, let's do, we have, we need to modify something, we need to try something new. So there is this technical knowledge and this, yeah, technical knowledge that can be applied the the art world, you know, the the problems that we could say we are solving, let's call them aesthetic problems, you Uh know, everything has a technical base. You know, the the artist in the Renaissance, when they discovered uh, oil paint, uh, they, they had to you know, it became also something te- technical. They need yeah, to know yeah. which uh, rocks <laughs> to use, you uh-huh. know, to, to grind together minerals, the colors that they want, and how to treat the oil. So there is all this technical achievement that they are, and technology that they are using so they can produce an aesthetic. Object paper also uh, has a technical background. Probably not as scientific as we, you know, in the 21st century. We, of course, science is super big. Everything can be explained. They didn't. They didn't have this knowledge, this base, but they did a lot of experimentation, and and you know, paper was produced for, all, for today. We take it for granted, but yeah. I'm sure 1500 years ago was a very, very high value commodity. You know, the Renaissance, you, mm-hmm. you, they didn't have large sheets, everything was super small. So, so having a technical background allows you to bring all these things and integrate them into the art practice. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, because you actually did some of the building of the new technology. Is that correct? Or the new machines? Yeah, yeah. yeah as things evolve. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So of, yeah, so that's uh, because we we had to do those things in order to to push our capabilities forward. Mm-hmm. But that's something that happens here. We we try to isolate the artists from those situations. They should really focus only in in uh in what in their concepts in their thinking they should be free of just doing that because that's what they do the best and then if if we can solve all these issues and technically really bring together the concept with the technique in a gr- great way then we have an outstanding artwork yeah uh, and yeah. that's uh, the spirit of of uh, collaboration,
1: absolutely. And so, you know, the the process where you're actually making these um, sculptural prints, you're sort of putting print pulp into into molds a bit. Is is that correct? And that's sort of it it, it that's what gives it the the three dimensionality.
0: Well, yeah. Uh-huh. If I prefer to uh, to talk more uh, uh, about it. And yeah. I will uh, let's say uh, go deeper <laughs> into yes, this so, please. so we talk about the artist having to produce a three-dimensional concept so that uh, that concept we call the model or, or maquette mm-hmm. so that's really the idea and that model has all the well it's it's a a surface basically that represents what's going to to be represented on the surface of the paper so the artists need to make that so that's the concept so from that through a molding process we produce a three-dimensional printing plate which is the inverse of the artist's concept
1: yeah wow
0: so Uh so having that plate when you print of it you have a positive on the paper so our most important The tool really ends up being the printing plate because that's where the master printers are going to apply the the color and uh, the the printing plate, you know. Well, uh, once we have an inked uh, printing plate, which is kind of a mold, if you wish, we apply the recently made handmade paper, which is very soft. And then you apply a tremendous amount of pressure on top of Mm. it. So Mm -hmm. all this pressure pushes the paper into all the crevices on the plate, on the texture. And because of this pressure, the paper picks up, as I said, the shape, but also picks up the color, you know, the the color, the ink, which are oil-based inks, transfer from the printing plate to the surface of the paper. So basically this is what happens and uh, the paper being what we say it's fresh or you know just made uh, is uh, not pressed so it's a very soft paper and that's why we can shape it in any way uh, we want because, you know, the the, the commercial paper it, it's already formed and dried, so it's very stiff. So even if you moisten it or wet it, it's not as flexible. As what we need. And because of that reason, we had to start uh, making our own handmade paper. Because and this happened also with Tamayo. As the mixografia progressed, he started to make thicker and thicker textures. So after a few editions, the paper was uh, you know bursting and holes. So the only way to to solve that was to make our own handmade paper. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Which is another uh, technique in itself, but but for us we don't have a other an- alternatives. So many times people ask us, "Oh, are you paper makers?" Yeah, oh, we uh-huh. make paper, but but we are not making an artwork per se. You know, as handmade paper we make prints that are art and for that prints we need to make the paper
1: yeah 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 it's the means to the end Yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah and we we don't try different fibers we only so far we we have done uh, cotton fibers and mm-hmm. um, yeah we we can do other things with the paper uh, we can color it which we've done uh, there is a set of prints that we did with Ted Rocher called the Rusty Signs all of them were done on color paper why because uh, by using colored paper we were able to achieve this rusty uh, Corroded Mm -hmm. surface look that he wanted for this group of prints. So the, 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 the inks, because they were sitting on a colored paper, they behave differently than uh, inks that would be on a white paper, you know, were less bright. So that, that, that's what really created the notion of of corrosion of iron oxide. Yeah, I
1: could, I could totally see that. Like, the, that like changing the, the color of the paper itself would make it feel like that rust is going so deeply into the piece and into the, like the actual foundation of the image. Yeah. 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 Yes.
0: So you see, this is a, a typical example of technology, you know, working. Mm-hmm. In favor of an artist idea.
1: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And so it the uh, mixografía, but you know, under other names, sort of started in Mexico City, and then yeah. you moved to Los Angeles at one point, which of course is where you mentioned at the top where you are now. What was that transition like, and what was the the reason for the move?
0: Well, in Mexico, in the early nineteen eighties. About uh, that time, uh, the workshop already had uh, collaborated, let's say, in many editions with Tamayo mm-hmm. and many other um, Mexican artists, you know, from that time, Gunter Gerso, Manuel Felgueres, Matias Geritz. So uh, it was, uh, you know, a productive time. And my parents decided, hey, why don't we try to work also with American artists? Mm. So they work with Larry Rivers. Kenneth Nolan came to work to, to the shop in Mexico City. And at that time also, you know, my parents decided to open a gallery here in Los Angeles, a small office to try to sell some of the inventory that was produced in in, uh, Mexico City. And the person that used to direct it managed to get a show at the White Gallery in UCLA here in Los Angeles. And... During the, the show, the dean at that time uh, saw the, the from the, uh, the school, saw the mixography and he really liked the possibilities. So he proposed to my parents, hey, let's do some kind of collaboration. We want to invite Uh, artists from out of town to lecture to the school but then they have a lot of free time so why don't you invite them also to do a collaboration let's say after they finish their lectures and then it it can we can work something out so my parents say hey that's like a great idea. Yeah. But we need to build new machinery
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to bring it to the States. And that took some time. So yeah, my parents uh, work on that project, brought everything. But when we came, you know, it's like, oh, he just left for the sabbatical. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But we were already here. And at one point we uh, had... For many years, one workshop here and one workshop in Mexico City. And uh, in the mid-90s, we finally, it became too complicated and we closed the shop, the workshop in in, uh, Mexico City.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: more or less, that's why uh, we we came here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And (sighs) then... Um, since you've moved to Los Angeles, do you work a lot more with American artists, or do you work yeah. with American and, and Mexican yeah. and Latin American
0: artists? Well, w- we have done projects also with uh, artists from like uh, Co- Korea. We, we did some projects, um, but mainly it has been American and uh, European artist mm-hmm. with whom we collaborate and uh, being here or uh, uh, enable us to develop many more things because in the states you know compared to what was in mexico then the uh, everything was restricted the, to import certain stuff for example oh,
1: right right yeah
0: the pulp used for paper making the cotton pulp in Mexico was uh, considered like a strategic asset because it can be used to make uh, explosives. Oh, okay. So <laughs> so okay you want to buy pulp you need to get a permit from the army and since so there were a lot of things that used to make things much more restrictive here. Oh send me a ton of pulp. No problem. It will be there in two weeks. Right. You know?
1: Yeah. That must have felt like quite um liberating. <laughs> it's just easy at that point.
0: Yes yeah. and also for certain things let's say for for developing machinery you, the availability of things was much easier and easy to get here that, than there yeah. so so these things were good in order to to improve and develop new techniques or equipment right, right. Yeah. And, and, and also for the artists let's say if you are in New York easier to come to LA mm-hmm. uh, also in the 80s in Mexico there was a lot of political commotion and uh, a lot of things were happening and a lot of people were like uh, I don't know if I yeah, want to be. yeah yeah So yeah. So in that regard it was hey, LA is super easy, you know. Totally. uh, Sonic California. (laughs) We love it. Right,
1: I know, beautiful weather, (laughs) yeah. And beaches and yeah, I my husband is a printmaker and we lived in Australia and Thailand before coming back oh, to the u.s and okay. you know the i don't think american printmakers know how good they have it in terms of getting materials <laughs> because in both places it was there were you said like legal restrictions or supply restrictions or it'd be monstrously expensive um you know or even just something like when we were in thailand um as far as we could sort out you know there were just no lithostones in Thailand. You know, they're amazingly talented lithographers, but they're all working on plates. So, you know, these things that we. Just almost take for granted or in abundance in the states. Like it's like you could count your lucky stars, American based printmakers. Like it's it gets more complicated, yeah. Outside of yeah, there.
0: of course, because that also has to do with the market.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Here yeah. you have uh, the the schools and galleries and artists. So so there is a lot of. Uh, interesting in, in these uh, materials. Me- Mexico has a very important tradition, uh, oh, but wow. unfortunately, yeah, the import quotas had, w- those were really the problem for many materials. Yeah. Especially at, at that time when we left, uh, the, the Mexican policy was you need to use what exists in Mexico, so if you want to import something, yeah, the tariffs or yep, taxes yeah. make very expensive uh, the new materials or framing or mm-hmm. stuff like that. Absolutely. So I, I understand what's happening in Thailand, especially because I I don't think the the little stones that's a European yep. tradition mm-hmm. in a way.
1: Yeah. So. Could you maybe point to like a particularly challenging project or one that you maybe has a good story behind it that like you didn't think you were going to be able to get done, and then you were able to, you know, in the history of all the artists that you've worked with, and really pushing the medium and uh, kind of to its limits. Like, what stands out for you as a as a difficult or challenging or rewarding collaboration?
0: Well, I will. Uh pick the same project that i picked for a uh, reinaldo oh good <laughs> <laughs> that means we are telling the truth so <laughs> no so i am uh, i i am going to talk about the, uh, this project that took us like two years to solve okay you know we have most of our projects take a long time. They are not like easy projects in a way we, we are not prolific at all because everything is done by hand and we take these big challenges like for example we just finished this project with Alex Israel called desperado. So we incorporated an inkjet print, with a mixographia relief in order to achieve mm. a, the look he wanted. So looks very simple, but to integrate them so they look not collage, but as a single piece, you see that's challenging, even yeah. though
1: yeah.
0: it's very simple. But, you know, this took us less time to... It took us time to finish the project, okay, because this was very time-consuming. But technically, to solve uh, the, the, uh, this project with the Chong Kuan Yeon, the aggregations, both series, because of, if, if you look at the print, at the artwork, and you see how complicated is the texture, and how the, is like this prismatic elements that have planes in every direction, and all of them are printed well with some Chinese or Korean characters on Mm, the surface. mm -hmm. So in order to develop that so the paper doesn't break and uh, we get the color values that the artist wanted, it, it took us a very, very long time uh, to really uh, master, let's say, the technique for doing that. This this really has been the only project when we were almost about to throw the, the <laughs> towel. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, but everybody asks us about what, what's our secret, you know? So our secret is... Patience and lots of work. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that answer because a lot of times I think people are looking for the secret. You know, like, how do I not have to work so hard? How do I get through this? And the question is, you just have to work so hard to get through it. Like, that's the answer.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's many secrets. But yeah. it's work, 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 work,
1: work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so... We've talked a lot about the history of the studio. Can you talk to us a bit now about what's it like right now? You know, who's who works there? Is it still um, you know, is is the next generation taking it on? Do you have um interns? How many projects do you do a year? Just the kind of what's the current
0: state? Well, we are always uh, working, of course. Now we COVID, uh, you know, has uh, put a little bit of uh, a slow a little bit, because, you know, the interaction, traveling, all these things is a little bit, uh, is restrictive. Uh, But, you know, we, we, despite all this, uh, we are uh, doing, uh, we are always looking to, produce new projects so so we we have some commitments you know for next month where we are going to you know start new things we, we have uh, many things uh, on the works <laughs> but i i don't like to say oh we have this or that until we really have a print right. show right. you know f- yeah. for me doesn't exist until we, it says, go to print or uh, bona tire, because then we can really show. Okay, yeah, we are working on this. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, we are working with uh, doing a, a series of mono prints with um, Francesca Gaviani, a local LA artist. We are working on a project with uh, Gajin Fujita, also an LA-based artist that those like uh, street art mm-hmm. and uh, also we just finished uh, Alex's uh, project we finish also at the end of the year a project with Alison Sarr mm-hmm. uh, she will be coming back uh, soon, we already talk about a few ideas and, and we have other things developing but We don't have something to say. Oh, it's going to look like this. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. Are you find you're working more with local LA artists because of COVID? Well,
0: it's a mix. But Uh right now, yes, because we haven't been able to to travel and all that stuff. Yeah, we haven't. I haven't traveled that much for. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of the. Studios that I've talked to um, in COVID have said that it's actually kind of fun because they're discovering new artists in their city that they wouldn't have necessarily got a chance to work with before because they were always doing these national and international collaborations. But actually having to look around for, you know, who can travel to you, you actually discover artists in your backyard that are really wonderful to work with.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, and it's great. Hey, what do we do? Okay, see you in 20 minutes. Yeah, I bet that's like a good,
1: yeah, (laughs) a bit different and, and quite nice. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, because also for us, we as the printers get uh, many more clues Of what the artist is thinking when you are sitting with him and looking Mm -hmm. at things oh what do you think of this or that and you know exchanging back and forth emails is like more immediate and and more exciting because it's more personal yeah so so this is really a a, a very fun part yeah of of Collaborating with artists here in the, the city.
1: Mm, yeah, definitely. Well, before we uh, sign off, could you tell people what's the best way to follow Mixografia and see the work that you do and see the prints that are coming out? I've seen a little bit um, from what you're working on with Alice and Sar, and it looks amazing, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. So. Where can people find you and follow you?
0: Well, uh, of course, we have our website where we uh, there is some kind of inventory of the collaborations. You people can look at the uh, different artists with whom we have worked, there are videos and interviews if they want to see how, uh, to really see how things get done. Because, you know, we we talked a lot, but it's uh, an abstract notion. But if you look at these short videos uh, I'm sure after this conversation it's easy to much easier to understand how things work. There are also other interviews about the history more details, different things so that's in our website we also do some Instagram, facebook we we have those things is uh, the new way of communication so yeah that's where people can uh, follow us and everybody's welcome to visit our shop here in downtown la uh, we have a gallery a showroom where anybody can do come and visit now of course by appointment but it's possible to see some of the artworks we have uh, produced, and yeah. here we here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And are, are you kind of just open to the public, or do people should make a Call and well, make
0: an uh, I always say it's best to to make an appointment. Yeah, yeah, because you know, for for the public space, yeah, we are, but but it's better to make always an appointment. I mm-hmm.
1: think. Yeah, you're busy people. Yeah, making yeah. A lot of art, Absolutely. <laughs> Well, that's really wonderful. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing the incredible story of Mixografia and just the intergenerational history and for the, the beautiful work that you all do. I'm, I'm really excited to share it with the listeners. Yeah.
0: Well, no, and thank you very much for your interest. And I, yeah, I do hope people learn something and enjoy this uh, chat.
1: Absolutely. It's an incredible history and, like I said, just amazing work that you all do. So thank you again. And we'll release it with Rinaldo's as well. And we'll look forward to sharing the, the good word about what you all do.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
1: If you like today's episode, we have a Patreon, where you can help us keep the lights on here and get bonus content. Like Shop Talk Shorts, where our editor, Timothy Pauschak, digs deep on materials, processes, and techniques with our guests. And if you've listened this far, you might be that special kind of print friend who will leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It would mean the world to us if you did, and it does make an impact on how these podcasts are found. And that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Ruben Castillo. We talk about the power of having important mentors as a young artist, how he captures the intimate spaces between partners and his prints, the intense bonds in queer relationships, making work about his own relationship and navigating this with his partner, and the fascinating class he teaches called the Queer Print Archive. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.